in a world where the base change every day. Today's lucky base is base 12. So, okay, so hi everyone. So last time we talked about uh, the bet, like what would the better base be uh, instead of like picking 10. Pick uh, two interesting comments. The first one uh, was from Rally. And what she was saying was about like the imperial system. So last time we kind of trashed the imperial system, like any imperial system saying that it's a bit useless and why would you use that kind of system? But Rally was saying that like maybe it kind of makes sense when related to something uh, because it's related to something real. So for example, like one foot, it can be related to like something real, which is a foot. But more importantly, like it was related to like the days. So we said in the last episode that a day is 24 hours and that is like a bit random. But for example, the year is 365 days and that's, it means Something meaning like it's 365 like real revolution of the earth for that kind of thing like when it's related to, to something real it might make sense to use an imperial system right it makes sense it's it's understandable where it comes from right it's an explanation but an explanation is not a justification i think it's a, it's a very good point and that's true that some stuff exist in nature and in particular like the the number of days in a year is is a tough one because like 365 uh, doesn't really correspond to anything it's annoying uh, but it, it is fair that it makes it easier to reason about stuff that we see so i don't think it's a current justification for the imperial system because right now nobody's measuring stuff with their feet and pounds and stuff like that so but for years and days i guess it makes sense so i think the only reasonable solution is to move away from the earth and to go colonize a planet where the the period of rotation around its sun is a multiple of the period of rotation of self-revolution i think anything other than that would be purely rational <laughs> so we pick the planet just for that like not for I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense, right? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> anyway, should we move on to Florian's comment, or should I say comments? Yeah. Because there are so many, so many parts of it. Uh, he was saying that about other bases that are used orally, we often use base twenty, and I guess it's weird that we didn't talk about this at all because we both lived in France and like tw base 20 is very important in the French language right you you hear it in the construction of of, num of the fucked up construction of number that is like a very famous and very fun story and base 60 was also very used in antiquity base 60 that's what he says I, I'm willing to believe him at, at that but I didn't really okay. look into it like why or where it got used so then uh, remember how we talked about the meta base how we group digits by three yeah. and so obviously he talked to me about the meta metabase and this one mm. I'm not sure at all because it's words that I don't even know the meaning of but I thought it, it okay. was really really cute <laughs> because in French apparently we have a meta metabase of two where we say million, milliard, billion, billiard 
Ja. Right? In English, it's million, billion, trillion. Oh. But I, I've, I've always been so confused about like the, the French versus English of billion, etc. Yeah, me too. Billion also exists in French, but means something different. Billag? I'm not sure. So I guess we, we can flag that as a fun point, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> So another thing that we didn't talk about is uh, because we talked about non-integer bases, but we forgot to mention that bases could be negative. You can have minus one as a base. And then it's really fucked up to write negative and positive number because uh, every power of two, so every other digit is uh, represents a positive quantity and every even digit represents a negative quantity. So it's hard to use, but it exists. I mean, then you, yeah, I'm just wondering if it can be useful for something. So I still have a few, po uh, like a few, not a few points, but uh, like two points. Uh, I still have more. <laughs> this was our longest episode and it feels like there is like the most stuff that we left out, but uh, even more to say, I mean. <laughs> uh, so once you've picked uh, your base, your symbols, etc., and your positioning of your symbols with respect to zero, yeah. you still get to choose how to write them. So what Ayaris was saying is that what I was talking about, saying how oh, you lose kind of your grasp for, for very big numbers, uh, he was saying is the, the precise problem that the scientific writing is trying to solve, right? To, to write numbers as x times 10 to the power of y. And so you can still be in the same base, but write them with this uh, logarithmic based. But I just don't agree at all though. Like no one understands what 10 power 47 means. Like you know that it's big, but like, like as if you understand that like 1046 and 1047, like the difference between that, like you don't. And it's like huge. You just can't comprehend that kind of difference. I don't know. I don't know. I think that if we used this kind of scientific writing all the time, we probably would have a somewhat better grasp on bigger number. But there is still the basic cognitive load of imagining very big numbers that the human brain cannot really deal with. But see, it's not very it's not big numbers anymore because you have like you're splitting this one dimension into two, right? The, the part before the exponent and the part in the exponent. Yeah, but the thing is that if your goal is for like people to understand big numbers, clearly like putting 10 and then 47 zero after that, you see much more the, and like versus like 10 versus like 10 zero after that, you see much more the difference than just like seeing 10 power 10 and 10 power 47. Like you feel the difference like because you look at it. I guess probably doesn't matter that much psychologically speaking. His conclusion was that the most important factor in base choosing is not what I was talking about about having this uh, clarity at higher from higher numbers, but he also recommended to take a smaller number because to him a smaller base because to him the the main cost in choosing the base is that you have to memorize the tables of operation and most importantly the multiplicative tables. Mm, that's because you, you you need to hard code all the operations that are under the base. Mm, that, that's pretty cute. I guess 
he thought that 10 was already too much. <laughs> he he teaches math in school, so maybe he has uh, he has <laughs> the best uh, opinion out of, out of all of us. But uh, no, I feel like it was awful. Like le- learning the table of multiplication was an awful thing to do. Yeah. So his recommendation is base six. Six. Yeah. For the divide abilities. Which brings me to the results of the online polls. So I gathered the votes from everyone on like uh, Gmail, Twitter, YouTube, and Reddit. Leave a comment. And was there actually a vote on YouTube? No. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I, I'm always trying to pretend that we have comments and we're picking from them. Uh, yeah, but maybe we shouldn't so people that actually listen, like actually vote. Feel sad and, for like, us? Post stuff. Yeah. Okay, okay. I will we'll leave that in <laughs> and see. <laughs> but anyway, it was a tie between six, as I told you from Florian. Oh. Uh, people also voted for nine, 16, and 24. So it was like six, nine? 16, and 24. What we picked last episode ourselves was... I think we landed on... So you really liked nine, so there was 18 in the running. Oh yeah, 18. And I was feeling very 16E because I like to have a direct transcription to the machine. So basically it's between... Between all of the above. Like, I love the point of Florian about learning the multiplication table. Like, I think it's an actual, like, actually a good point. So you want to, sm- you're thinking smaller base? So maybe, like, like in that sense, like, nine works well. But it's not, you can't take half of nine. You're switching your thought into taking thirds in, and not halves. I mean, I like thirds. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to tell you about an anime of last season that I watched uh, recently, well, last season. And the reason okay. why is because it influenced me quite a lot in the making of this podcast. So the name is uh, Eizoken Ote Odasuna, which means keep your hands off Eizoken. Eizoken meaning the club of making animation. It's an anime by Ma- uh, Masaki Yuasa, who is mostly famous for, I guess, Devilman Crybaby on Netflix in 2019 I guess who's famous for having a very noticeable animation style a very expressive animation and that is what the anime is actually about it's a love letter to animation it's centered around a trio of girls who are passionate about animation and who are making their own anime while being in I guess high school or college and what I found pretty interesting is that the the three girls embody three different aspects of the creative process what you would call the main character is presents the director she makes a lot of concept arts, etc. Uh, there is one girl who's passionate about the animation itself, who's a drawer and she draws a lot and wants to have super realistic, beautiful animation. And the third person, which is very understandable considering the Japanese context, uh, but it represents the production aspect. She's the producer and always makes sure that deadlines are kept, that you can find money for that, that the, all that all the efforts produce money and she pushes really hard the two others to market themselves and to to talk about themselves and essentially a, a point that really stuck with me is like what good is it to do your work if nobody sees it and it's okay to uh, use so one of the girls had a famous family and it's okay to leverage your fame so that you bring more listeners more viewers to your to your animation and it it did give me the courage 
courage to start actually using our Twitter account and posting and trying to get people to listen to our, our thing. That's cute. And I don't know. I just found that cute and interesting to see this uh, holy trinity of creative process. <laughs> it's really cute to put the three aspects at the same level. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a thing about just saying, like, the producer is always a bit less useful. Like, I always felt that, like, okay, like, keeping, like, when you create something, like, just thinking about, like, the promotion and, like, the money aspect is always a bit bleh. Like, I, I don't know. You don't really want to think about it, but I feel like they're right. Like, if no one listens to what you're doing or watch what you're doing like what's the point above money you know i think it, it the the very it's very important to have this pragmatic aspect of actually like finishing the project getting the deadlines because it's a creative left alone often like starts a billion things and drop them and goes to the next thing tell me about so that Johan. <laughs> yeah it's I guess it's important to have a level-headed person. As to the monetization aspect, I don't know. I still feel a bit gross about the the whole parallel between art and money. The thing with money is like it allows creative person to like actually create more. Well, yeah, they they have to eat for starters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if I don't know, like if I had money, like. I would do more podcasts, I would do more, like, I don't know, more stuff, like, write more, like, develop more, like, I don't know, I would do, time is of the essence, so, if, well, time is money, my friend, yeah, exactly, so, if you're paid <laughs> to do, like, creative stuff, like, you can do more creative stuff, basically, well, the thing is, if you're paid to do creative stuff, most, uh, usually, it takes the creative aspect out of your control, and into the hands of whoever pays you, but not really, no, but not necessarily, it doesn't have to be, I, I feel like, our, like, internet went a bit too shit in the last few years, but the thing that is kind of true is, like, it allows people to earn money for what they want to do and for what they want to create. Yes, but then you have you you have this kind of responsibility towards your fandom, and if you want to completely switch, you you, you might lose them. So you still have an incentive, a financial incentive to keep doing what you're doing. Essentially, the financial incentive often like thwarts the creative vision. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by listening. In a world too often dominated by sight, listening offers a refreshing alternative by focusing on a totally different wavelength. Give it a shot. So yeah, so today we're going to talk about like MMORPG and why basically there's no more MMORPG. Yeah, and we come at it from the perspective of two people who really enjoyed playing World of Warcraft for for their for their time, and we're sad. Well, I'm sad that there is no more MMORPG. I miss MMORPG. I'm sad as well. Like I've played so my main MMORPG in my youth <laughs> was Ragnarok Online. I forgot about that. Oh. <laughs> I knew that, but yeah. So yeah, so I played Ragnarok Online quite a long time for like basically four or five years and like quite a lot and then i came to world of warcraft it's a emotionally loaded subject right we come at it from people missing rpgs and we're like yeah. why is there no why can't we have more why can't you have, yeah and why can't we have new one <laughs> <laughs> because it's true so i wanted to do uh, as a brief introduction an acknowledgement i know that there still are mmorpgs 
which are the same as like 10 years ago. <laughs> Essentially, the market is dominated by World of Warcraft and close second or maybe first, no, because things are shifting a little bit. Final Fantasy XIV is still very big. I feel like Guild Wars to have a big community as well. Not there as is still as a person. bit of uh, little contenders like Guild Wars 2, but I haven't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, there, there's still a bunch of stuff that's not quite dead, but they're nowhere near the mass phenomenon that they were 10 years ago. So no, <laughs> with that out of the way, we can focus on bitching about the present. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been like uh, like first, like before starting, like how long has it been since like there was like the last MMORPG, like the last big release? Well, the the problem with that is that there's been a lot of uh, big so-called big releases that flopped, right? Uh, and like what? I don't know. Star Wars: The Old Republic was oh, yeah. really big at at launch, and then it completely crashed uh, a few months later. It was not a good game. So, what what would be the last big one for you? The last big one is probably Final Fantasy XIV. So it's been like seven years basically without like a big release. I guess. So why why like let's let's go right into the subject. Like why would that be? Like I have a few ideas. I have a few ideas too. And I have been looking at it a lot by seeing what replaced them. Like what are the big because MMORPGs were a big trend in the early 2010s, right? Every other studio wanted to make one. And I think then it was a quick like cash grab basically. <laughs> Well, it's still a lot of effort, I think, but it was the thing to do to ca to uh, cash grab, I guess. And then, I don't know, they all were commercial failures and there was this big uh, free-to-play models that started and kind of killed the subscription-based model. So with free-to-play, maybe, question mark, you can't pay for the big servers that MMORPGs need. But what's weird, why, why I was always a bit suspicious about like the subscription model is literally like Guild Wars. Like Guild Wars 2 like is a free, is a free to play, not really free to play, like you buy the game for 60 bucks. It's buy to play, the term you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You buy yeah. the game and you can play. You buy the game yeah. and you can play and then like you have microtransactions that like allows you to buy, I don't know, like a nice haircut. Cosmetics. Mm -hmm. And that's all. And apparently it works. Like it's still online. They still release like stuff every two months. They found like a model that actually works. Like I always found like the subscription model just like basically Blizzard wanting money because like they needed money, but like not really a real thing. I don't know. Most MMORPGs were subscription based because servers were really expensive, right? Uh, when you think of Dark Age of Camelot or EverQuest, I, I, I understand completely that, uh, that they, they needed some kind of subscription back in 2000 to make their server farm run <laughs> yeah, yeah okay, I, okay. I don't think it was out of greed <laughs> no it's debatable whether blizzard is still justified in their subscription in the last few years like everyone is way more okay at like buying stuff now like releasing a game where you pay like 10 bucks a month would be completely fine if you look at fortnite everyone got a battle pass the battle pass goes like six bucks a month and just for cosmetic even in mobile gaming like i mean don't you don't you think it's uh it's presented sufficiently differently because it's presented as microtransaction as a bundle of microtransaction essentially 
So it's in my mind, it's like the 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 economy moved from subscription based to free to play plus microtransactions. Yes, no, everyone is. So yeah, I, I guess one of the points I wanted to bring up is I'm very sad that all the focus that went into reverse engineering the human brain uh, with big air quotes to provide immersive experience and addictive experience, addictive environments where you would subscribe monthly, uh, turned into exploiting the human psyche uh, through addiction mechanism or of loot boxes, uh, which is essentially the same cognitive research, but I find it way less cute, <laughs> less enjoyable for me. <laughs> it's less complicated to put in place. With MMORPG, like the, the big problem is development. Like I, I like it feels like it's way more complicated to create a good MMORPG than to create like a normal game. And like the universe is a bit bigger, I guess. And like I don't know if you compare like Fortnite with World of Warcraft, I like Fortnite was way easier to actually make. I mean yeah it's it's true that one of the things I miss the most about World of Warcraft is that you have hundreds of regions that you can explore and different enemies, etc. Whereas, like Overwatch, you have ten maps. Right, cool. And it might even like be the same development cost because those ten, ten maps are refined as fuck. I mean, they they really really balanced every single corner, but I'm not enjoying it half as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like exploration, not loot boxes. But maybe, I don't know, I don't play a lot of open world game, like big game, like Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, like that sort of game. But I feel like the map should be bigger than World of Warcraft, no? Well, World of Warcraft has like 20 years of development, so in size, I don't think so. But I guess it might be on si si on uh, similar scales. But one th yeah, I don't know. One thing I really loved about World of Warcraft is that the map was also very diverse. Just because Red Dead Redemption, you'll have far west everywhere. But uh, that's, that's a bit orthogonal to the, the actual question. To go back like to what changed, even if you play uh, MMORPG, like to have played Guild Wars 2 a lot, kind of a lot, like two year, one year ago, I feel like the experience changed quite a bit. Like the game didn't change that much but like the experience in meaning like no one was talking to each other like I was only talking with players that I know in real life whereas like 10 years ago I do remember a lot of like talking with like random person doing quests with random person like just basically like mingling with like all the player and like finding new person to talk to even finding new friends in the game which is not that true with like what's happening today. This is uh, this is really true, and I think it's a very interesting uh, observation that has several causes that we should definitely go into. I've re I've seen a lot of analysis on this kind of stuff. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. So one of the easy answers to 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 why that is is. Well, one of the easy answers is that uh, if you take World of Warcraft, for instance, the game uh, changed a lot. At the very beginning, it was impossible to play alone. You had to team up with strangers to defeat strong monsters, essentially. And through the years, they wanted to appeal to everyone and di diversify, I guess, the options to level up and have several paths to level up, which resulted in not really needing other people anymore. So you have this force of game design that made the solo experience stronger and the solo or small groups, to like, uh, the, the social aspect less important, less essential. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem because uh, did they make that because the audience was asking for it or did the audience end up 
asocial because they made that. Like that's the problem with, with with everything tech today. Like we listen too much to what users want. Like because <laughs> coming from a user researcher. Uh, uh, no, but that's true though because like obviously like talk. I mean, if you design for engagement, yes. <laughs> what other metrics are you going to use? <laughs> Obviously, talking to a random person saying like, oh, do you want to do a quest with me? Like, it takes a lot of effort. You don't really want to do it. But like, sometimes like you, you have like an amazing afternoon with that random person. And like, it's just fun and you talk and like... I mean, that's how you, you made friends time, back in the day. You made good friends. Yeah, exactly. You can't make friends anymore. Now, obviously, like, if you have an option of not doing that, obviously you're not doing it. But even, even if you're doing social activities, like I've played Final Fantasy XIV in Japanese to learn Japanese. And I was like, oh, this is a great chance to mingle. Yeah. And they have social features. They have dungeons you can't clear by yourself but what happens is that people just like get together clear the dungeon not a word exchange and like the world is just hello goodbye <laughs> it's really sad yeah no but yeah also maybe just because now that like i remember back in the day like having like not all my friends had like world of warcraft or like not all my friends had like actually like good internet not even to play like Ragnarok online for free so like you didn't really have access to your like group friends online ah that's that's a big element for Rasno you pretty much do right yeah exactly now you're just like okay let's get online that's a big thing and like then like when your friends are not online and you play alone like you don't really want to mingle because you know that like they'll be back in like two hours <laughs> Even if you try to mingle, you don't have such a great experience because other people are waiting for their friends or stuff like that. And I, this reminds me of one point I wanted to, to say is that there is a lot of efforts that have been done through the years to make the games as asocial or antisocial as possible, right? Uh, like, no game designer has ever... They don't think about, like, oh, how could people make new friends in my game? half as much as uh, oh how could I prevent people from insulting each other in my game and all the focus in like Blizzard Fortnite or Riot or whatever has been to how much can I cut communication and not allow new means of communication it's been it's so sad but like safety first I guess but that's part also of the community like the community of your game it just reflects on how much like the developer have thought about it like if Overwatch has such a toxic community it's just because the game is toxic. I'm, like World of Warcraft at the start never had that kind of problem. Like I don't remember at all having a toxic community on World of Warcraft at the start. Okay, okay. So do you think really that it's uh, it's because, oh, if you design f assuming that you're going to have a toxic community, you end up with a toxic community? Or do you think it might be about the fact that back in the days, World of Warcraft was kind of a hipster thing, whereas now internet is mainstream and everybody's on it? Like this kind of democratization? It depends on bit on like the kind of game that you play i guess like i feel like if you play like when you play overwatch like you're a bit more stressed and like so you're more inclined to like be a bit more toxic than like for like world of warcraft where it was mostly pve at, at like so player versus environment like at the start like the pvp was a bit meh but uh so first like the pvp aspect i think makes for a more toxic game and also like in overwatch like you don't have any time like where you can talk basically if you talk it just to say like yeah 
I was gonna say, do you, do you think it's because the games need to be like constant activity, constant dopamine push, etc. But then I I, I, realized, I remembered like Fortnite is a lot of just dropping <laughs> like Fortnite games or Dota games are like one hour long and nothing happens. So it's it's essentially snooze fest. So it's not constant dopamine. Yeah, but like you always have some, I think like, like versus like if you compare MMORPG with that kind of game is that you're playing. Like in World of Warcraft, like you could like go into a city, just sit there, like just like I don't know, like do your inventory or like whatever, and like then talk. People don't have time anymore to to enjoy the, the like like a grandpa. People don't take the time to observe the digital world around them. <laughs> but that's so true. Th- no, but yeah, like yeah. I don't know if you remember, but at the start of World of Warcraft, like you couldn't te- like there was no teleportation. Like you needed to take your little griffon in a city, t- like to go from one city to another, and it took like five minutes. So like, what did you do? You you were talking during that five minutes. I mean, it's, it is it is fascinating to read uh, game design articles about World of Warcraft because back when it was created, it was really focused on like all these tricks giving you the impression that there was a huge world and like all these tricks designed a little bit like in our Disneyland uh, episode all these tricks designed to make you think that the world was full of life and full of beauty whereas now everything's focused on utility (laughs) yeah and gameplay I think like one of the main features that shows that is like the group finder. Like, okay, it's super useful to have a group finder, but I do remember at the start of World of Warcraft, you were going to a city saying, hi, everyone wants to do that dungeon with me. It took like one hour before doing your dungeon, but like, you were happy to have your five other player and like you were talking to them because you found them and you wanted to continue doing dungeon with them. <laughs> it's it's a fundamental question of uh, of game design. Game design is essentially like, creating friction to make an experience and if you want to be more pleasant or casual or appealing whatever you can remove friction but at the end you get no experience (laughs) today's episode is brought to you by The last breath you take just before you fall asleep. You do it every day, and then never can you single out that elusive white whale. And before you know it, it's gone. You don't think AR will be a thing ever? I mean, it's hard to answer this question because I want AR to be a thing, but it's... I mean, it's like they are completely determined to not make MMORPGs in AR. <laughs> when, when, like, literally, literally the whole market of anime in Japan is only that. Oh, I wonder if there is demand. Let's look at, like, the cultural production of the whole fucking country. We're all writing about the same damn thing. No, cite me. Cite me from the top of your head. <laughs> One MMORPG in VR being developed. Uh... There's a chat game, no? VR chat? <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's, what's left to say? What's left to say? Well, I wanted to, to tell you a little bit about a, a kind of like TED Talk-ish conference that I saw 15 years ago that really, really inspired me and which is one of the reasons why I'm so sad today. <laughs> um, so it was a game conference by the game designer uh, Jesse Shell. 
which is apparent, who is apparently a bit famous, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And he was talking about the fact that uh, with the rise of internet back then, uh, there would be more and more online and server client uh, mechanics, essentially. And the main point of the video was that there would be more and more persistent worlds. And he gave the example of Mario 64 and he was like, oh, in like a few years, Mario is going to have a life on his own in his world and it's going to tell you when you connect. Oh, here's what, what happened when you went away and uh, how are things on your side? It's essentially makes the thing a lot more lively and more persistent. Like, I don't know. Persistent is not a very nice word, but like a, a real universe living by itself. And I wonder why it doesn't go that way. <laughs> Well, it's fun that you're saying that because like Animal Crossing is a big thing right now and like it's literally doing that. Like every day you connect and it's like you have your little announcement saying like, oh, yeah, what happens on your island? It's not persistent by the mean of like there's no online. Well, there's online. There is online. Yeah, I guess Animal Crossing does fit this definition pretty well. I just wonder why it's not a bigger thing, right? But don't you feel like all, all, all online games like kind of fit that definition? So for example, like Fortnite have a big... Is there a... St- story even in Fortnite but like on Fortnite like stuff happens so it's not like every day or it's not like even every week but for example at one point like oh there's a like there's a crack like on the sky and like for two weeks like no one knew what it was and like it was all the talk like everyone was talking about that but it's not a story you know it's not a story but it's completely persistent meaning like there's a world that is like moving in front of you and like changing by this definition facebook and youtube are the same there's always upgrades and updates <laughs> doesn't create an experience well in this case it did i guess but, uh... but you can actually i think like you could argue that there's no more mmorpg because that feeling is like scratched by all your online like now you have reddit facebook twitter and like at one point you don't want to talk to stranger <laughs> you just want to play your game and like maybe disconnect a bit i i guess that there is a lot more like interactions uh, ways to interact with strangers so, so maybe we could say that we don't play games for the same thing as before. Before it was a way of connecting with like the world and now it's like a way to disconnect with the world. Well, that's a really nice conclusion. Too bad it comes like five minutes into our second part. <laughs> 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 but I, I really like this. Uh, this is probably very true. Because maybe one, the, the last thing that could follow such a perfect conclusion is for me to ask you, is there anything you're looking forward, any game in development that you're following? Mm. Like what's next? What is to be done? What is to be excited about? In actual development, I really don't know. I'm a bit like, meh, we'll see. So, so I'm excited about like, yeah maybe like more social but in the sense of like link to like another platform like so so the youtube stadia combo i think would have been like could have been or would have could uh, be. whatever like could be could be when once stadia yeah. starts <laughs> like could could be a great like a great fun stuff then there's like vr obviously but like as like we didn't say it but like vr could be like really really great i think it's still a bit early apparently it will go i think like hardware is still lacking and so damn this is this is this is very vague you're not giving me much to latch on to <laughs> yeah as for me 
I just I saw a video recently from a channel I think called oh yeah it's called NS Nerd Sniper who does postmortem of uh, of video games that are dead like Maple Story 2 or oh, Heroes of the Maple Storm. Oh Maple Story. Yeah, he made a cute video like two years ago uh, saying how World of Warcraft was so big that it basically killed all of the competition and killed the, therefore the market and the hope was in alternative monetization so he cited a lot of kickstarter backed uh, MMORPGs that were in the works uh, wow. but I mean it's been two years and I haven't seen any big wave but I still need I guess to look more into that I guess five times saying I guess <laughs> but that was a fun video I'm gonna put it in the show notes if you want to get uh... I mean I'm always a bit skeptical about big projects on Kickstarter like MMORPG is yeah but he, his point was that any company would uh, prefer fast easy cash grab like five maps and loot boxes to really well thought exper immersive experience so he was saying that you might want to look on alternative monetization and player-backed games. No, but really, so we talked about what games you were excited about and what games I was excited about. And I guess there is actually not that much in our list. Yeah. But I would be really, really, really uh, curious and excited to hear about uh, what you guys are excited about. Like, I want more, more games to look into. <laughs> and I think we also had, like, completely uh, a blind spot on more like FPS-y kind of game. But so, yeah, essentially, like any hint, any good MMORPG you can recommend, I'm very, very desperate. People, please help me. <laughs> you can help me on Twitter, YouTube, Reddit, Gmail. <laughs> Gmail? Well, not dailypodcast.gmail.com. Or Reddit. And like, if you listen, like... Even just like liking our post on Reddit or Twitter, just like show, because we have some statistics about <laughs> how many you listeners we have. But show that you're alive. <laughs> yeah, just like show that you exist and you're not bots would be nice. <laughs> okay, well, everyone, bye. Thank you for listening and see you not tomorrow. Like the, by the way, COVID-19, just keep it and I'll put it as a eye catch.